that's good. That's the problem with a musical. Or we're, well, yeah, I mean, you can't. We can't do that with any movie. Any of the movies. I like to do in the. I like doing the music where it's tangentially related yeah, yeah. or or thematically appropriate or thematically highly inappropriate or something. Yeah, but I love my name for the monster this time. By the way, that's <laughs> not bad. It's the best name. It's a pretty good name. So. <laughs> Welcome to Creature Crunch, the show where we take a creature and uh, we, I'm waiting. I I don't ah don't you ruined it I I don't know I was thinking I'm thinking a lot we take a creature and we uh we we sing about him from the rooftops uh we we belt his name from the bottom of our hearts I would be singing right now but I cannot sing my name is Matt and I'm a mean green mother from outer space. And and I'm bad. <laughs> and we are covering, of course, Chris's pick this week, Little Shop of Horrors, the, uh, the from 1986. Not to be confused with the 1982 musical, or the uh, 1960 movie is based off of, or the book Green Thoughts that that was based off of. Yeah, we're doing the one with the the Rick Moranis. Yeah, the the one with Rick Moranis and and his friends <laughs> and his and the Rick Rick Moranis crew. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so confession time for me again. Uh, I had never actually seen the entirety of this movie. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, this, this is kind of outside your normal wheelhouse, I think. I, there's a, well, that and I just lived under a rock for most yeah. of my life. Um, I, I've seen bits and pieces. I, I was very functionally aware of it. Uh, and I'd even heard the songs and seen, seen the videos mm-hmm. of the songs before. So I was, I was vaguely aware, but I also wasn't aware of some of the things and also had forgotten some of the things. Right. So that was a treat. <laughs> and see, this was one of my, my mom's favorite movies while I was growing up. So I watched it a lot. Sure. And, um, like, it's weird how much background I have with this movie. Like, um, my mom worked at a music store for a long, long time. And, uh, they would help out with the, uh, the high school stage productions of their musicals. They do a musical every spring, like all the high schools in town. And there's four. So that would be quite a lot of business that would be drummed up for them. One of the high schools in town when I was in college did a production of Little Shop of Horrors. And it was amazing. They put so much work into the Audrey 2 puppet. It was so cool. Like, they did a fantastic job. And I just remember going to see that with my uh, partner at the time. And it was so cool. That's rad (laughs) as hell. So it's just like, this movie's kind of been the background radiation of my life for a long time. (laughs) Well... I mean, how now having officially seen it, I can see why it's a good movie. It's really it's good. A, it's such a good movie. Holy it's, crap! It's fucking awesome. <laughs> like I knew I was going to enjoy it. I did not have any concerns uh-huh. about this. I didn't think I was going to enjoy it as much as I did. Yeah, like, yeah. I I loved every moment of this it's movie. So it, good. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, the music's good. The the performances are great. The, the animatronic. Oh my the, god! The Audrey Two uh, is insanely is good. Yeah. Holy crap. Oh, man. No. Loved this movie. Loved it completely. 100%. Um, I, uh, and, I, and I'm glad I made the decision when I was looking into it. I didn't rent it like I do most of the movies. Uh-huh. I just went ahead and bought this one. And I'm glad. I, I, I was, was going to do that, but like, it's so hard to justify the, the 16 bucks for a movie that like, Maybe. You've seen a million times. I've seen a million you probably times. won't watch too many times. We again. have on VHS, but we yeah. do not have a VHS player at the moment. And right. Shit like that. And no, like, um, also, there's like I'm going to get into this later, but there's the two different versions of the movie. There's right. the 
theatrical cut and then the director's cut that was released in like 2006, I want to say. Because it, it's weird what happened because they filmed that the original ending and it tested super poorly because it's a downer of an ending. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Um, and so they reshot an ending for it and it was thought that the footage for that original ending was lost. But it wasn't. It was just like shot on backup film. So it looked terrible, but they okay. still had it. Sure. And then, like, at some point, somebody went along and actually, uh, like, colorized it because it was in black and white and spruced up it so it looked nice, like, digitized it, made it look really nice. So they were able to release the director's cut that looked really good. Yeah. Because that footage was basically thought to be lost. Okay. Uh, but I'm glad I bought it. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I really did enjoy it. So, uh, I mean, as always, there are going to be spoilers coming up. Yeah. Uh, I, we're from... going to spoil some of the songs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's another one of those, like, I don't think the spoilers necessarily ruin the movie in any way. Yeah. If if this movie hasn't been, you know, if, if you're you, not. You've probably already seen it. it. Probably. Um, then again. Maybe not. You know, I, I'm yeah, an I know. example. I, I got to stop saying that. <laughs> it, it is hard to say. And also, like, we were talking, we did... Um, Shape of Water, and we're like, uh-huh. everybody's seen this. Ron had not. It, it <laughs> is an indication that there are people out there yeah, yeah. that, you know, we think that, oh, this movie is super popular and everybody's seen it, but it's not necessarily true. Right. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, there are going to be spoilers in this movie. Uh, I don't think the spoilers make or break it. No. Uh, gosh, no. Definitely. It's not a, a terribly twisty movie. It's pretty, yeah, from point A to point Z. <laughs> right. Uh, but either way, watch it. It's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Watch it again if you haven't in a while. Um, it, it's got, I mean, it's got a pedigree because it's directed by Frank Oz in his first solo directing debut. Frank Oz from The Muppets and from Yoda and <laughs> stuff like that. He, he assisted directed with some of Jim Henson's movies. Like I, his, um, when he, he did Muppets Take Manhattan and that was supposed to be a solo Frank Oz thing, but Jim really helped out on that, so it was kind of a, a cooperative thing. This was his first solo thing. Okay. Um, you got a hell of a cast in there. You've got Rick Moranis, Ellen Green, and Vincent Gardagna, who was picked basically because Frank Oz liked his last name and thought it fit the movie. <laughs> uh, and, of course, Steve Martin and uh, <laughs> Levi Stubbs as Audrey too. Uh-huh. And then you also have cameos from Jim Belushi, John Candy, Christopher Guest, and Bill Murray. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's crazy. It was. <laughs> this, is, this is also, so far, the only movie where Steve Martin and Bill Murray have appeared on screen together. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Okay. I mean, they're both still with us, so it could change in the future. Like, I don't think Steve Martin's really acting a whole lot anymore. <laughs> and Bill Murray's just kind of Bill Murraying all over the place. Right. But this is the only one so far where they have appeared together. Okay. So, without further ado, I guess let's just, I mean, let's get into it, Chris. Yeah. You've got, you got notes. I got notes. I've got songs. If you haven't already gotten into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the movie starts with a screen crawl telling us that the events take place in a Decade not too long before our own, you know, the 60s. <laughs> uh, the stage production makes it a lot more ambiguous to when this takes place. It could take place in any time America. The, yeah. the movie version is very much in the 60s because it talks about Kennedy and stuff like that. Like, there's a very specific... Yeah, this yeah. is this is a hardcore timeline here. But... Right. Like, people have even, like, figured out the exact year and, like, month where it takes place. Oh, and it's geez. like, you fucking nerds. <laughs> Um, 
we get the Greek chorus who also, kind of also got to I have to I have to say uh this is yet another creature crunch first it's creature crunch's first musical yeah yeah so sorry but we get the the Greek chorus coming in um they will kind of be impartial players to the events of the movie kind of telling us the events that's going on they're there and, through the whole thing oh yeah yeah but, but they're not really part of the action with the exception of that one scene with Mushnik. They're also, well, yeah, but they're also the street urchins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> oh, okay. But they, they come in and they'll, they sing the title theme to the movie, Protologue slash Little Shop of Horrors. It's one that you've probably heard. It got some radio play and fun stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, it was also, I believe, the title theme to the animated spinoff to this movie <laughs> called Little Shop. <laughs> that aired for one season in 1991. <laughs> Just looked completely shitty. And I 100% remember this. Like, I didn't remember it until I started doing research in the movie, and then I had war flashbacks. <laughs> because I remember this. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think I ever watched it, but I, like, when I Googled it, because uh-huh. I saw your note, I was just like, what? I Googled it. Yeah. And as soon as it came up, I was like, why do I recognize this? Why yeah. does this look familiar? No, that it was a, a Fox afternoon show. It was on, like, at the same time as Eek the Cat and shit like that. <laughs> that's Honestly, that's a good possibility as to why I recognize it. Yeah, it was it, on, but... like, it would air, like, in the the slot, like, two, two slots down from Batman. So it was, like, in the hell slot. <laughs> and, Yeah. Oh man, yeah, but I yeah, saw the, those. I I, I I saw that note of yours. Like, it gave you a word flash. Like, like what? And I pulled yeah. it up. I was like, whoa! <laughs> you see it, and you see that dumb look on the plant, and you're just like, I remember this viscerally. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, in the cartoon, Audrey too was a nice plant who didn't eat people. Uh, he was called Junior instead. Yeah, and uh, the kids were. They're like the characters were kids. Yeah. So it was one of those animated uh-huh. movies. Oh, man. Or animated shows. Um, Audrey was Mushnik's daughter. Okay. <laughs> and they had, and they, uh, like, contended with a, a neighborhood bully called Driller. Driller. <laughs> and, like, I was looking into this, uh, into the animated series, and most of the voice cast, like, I did not recognize. Two of them did not even have Wikipedia entries for their other works. Oh, jeez. So, like, these people have vanished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The, the plant was supposed to be more urban, so instead he, of singing, oh, yeah. he rapped. Oh, yeah. No, that that I that That's, I remember. Yeah, that, and, oh, I feel that. Like, like, I don't remember it. I don't remember what it sounds like or looks like, but I remember how it feels. <laughs> I remember the events. <laughs> I, re- I remember In my bones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my ancient bones. I don't know why we're talking about a cartoon that's like aired before most of our viewing base was born. <laughs> uh, but the episodes are on YouTube if you want to watch them. Oh boy! I'm not going to. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not putting myself in there. That's not happening. Uh, we cut to Seymour Rick Moranis, who is stocking shelves and knocking stuff over and just being a general klutzy goofball. 
we find out that there was a unscheduled solar eclipse last week, <laughs> which is the most terrifying thing imaginable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they said like it was an unexpected unscheduled solar eclipse. Astronomers like, are baffled. Yeah, if that happened in real life, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, like the implication is that it's a world-sized spaceship for Audrey 2's plant people. Yeah. And then it beamed one down, but... Like, that's kind of... <laughs> I'm afraid of these plants if that's the case. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, we find out that Seymour works in Mushnik's uh, plant store, Skid Row Flower Shop. Yeah. And they work on Skid Row. Uh, Audrey... Uh, Ellen Green comes in to work late with a black eye, apparently caused by her extremely abusive boyfriend. Mushnik yells at some local teens who are actually the Greek chorus in disguise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they change outfits a lot through the, the movie, but this is like the only time they interact with the actual plot. Yeah. The rest th of time, there's, there's like one other point in the movie. Yeah, but... but they're like just kind of there to introduce the action and provide backup vocals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But this catapults us into our second musical number, uh, Skid Row, Downtown. Yep. We find out that Seymour was an orphan who was taken in by Mushnik, but doesn't seem to like him very much. Like, keeps him in the basement and gives him every other Sunday off. <laughs> yeah, it was... Yeah. <laughs> Seymour and Audrey both dream of more than just these crappy streets and, like, the drunks passed out in the gutters. And there are a lot of drunks. There's a lot of drunks on Skid Row, yeah. <laughs> uh, no customers come into Mushnik's shop. It's completely dead all day. Um, and Mushnik decides that he is going to close down shop the next day. That That's it. It's yep. it. It's over. Yeah. Audrey and Seymour, uh, not wanting to lose their jobs, both beg Mushnik to stay open. And uh, Audrey says that Seymour has been planting a uh, strange and interesting new plant. And it gets called strange and interesting multiple times. Yeah. Seymour brings up this little tiny little Venus flytrap <laughs> in a coffee thing. can. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's very cute, but, you know, it's not moving or anything like that. It's just a little plant at this point. Uh -huh. They put it in the window of the shop and they immediately hook a Christopher Guest. Yeah. Well, he, they, they he, like, he brings it up and immediately is like, they're like, well, what is it? What do they call it? And he's yeah. like, well, I call it the Audrey too. Yeah. And Audrey gives this little high pitched noise that I think is a defense mechanism of some sort. <laughs> I gave it my own name though. I call it an Audrey too. After me. I hope you don't mind. You see, sir, if you were to put a. Ellen Green is so good at this voice. Like, <laughs> oh my God. It, it's so oh. funny. It's like, I hated it at first, and then I realized uh -huh. that's the intention. Yeah, yeah. And then I hated it more, and then by the end of the movie, I was like, I love it. I, yeah, it's... especially when she starts to sing, and gets like, <laughs> when she, she has a hell of a set of pipes on her. Yeah, when she breaks out of that voice, it's yeah. just like, whoa, okay. Like, <laughs> when they do suddenly see more later in the movie, yeah. and she's actually singing. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh my god, lady, you had this in you the entire time. <laughs> But yeah, Chris, Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest, like, just who, comes into the... Who I love in this. He's so funny. <laughs> he's so... Like, What's that plant? He's got this cheese-eating grid the, the entire, entire time. time. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you break 100? <laughs> like, uh, no. no. Well, then I guess I'll have to buy double. Oh, while I'm here, I might as well take $50 worth of roses. $50? <laughs> Can you break 100? 100? Uh, no. 
Well, then I'll just have to take twice as many, won't I? Double? <laughs> like, <laughs> and then that one drunk in the window just mouthing, double? <laughs> <laughs> like, it was at this point, like it was it was his character that really established this movie's sense of humor. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I the was tone all of the entire thing. for yeah, it. Yeah, it's... I, I love this flick. <laughs> but that gives us our third song, uh, Dadu, which explains how Seymour acquired the Audrey 2. Uh, apparently, he went to the high-end flower shops <laughs> in the city. Well, he doesn't. He, he says he does it every day. Yeah, every day. Yeah, yeah. But um, he was going to buy some plants from the same place where the Mogwai was purchased in Gremlins. <laughs> But uh, couldn't afford what they wanted, so he was walking away. Well, and they like, didn't have anything new. They didn't have they anything, didn't anything new. new. Yeah, that's it. And and then and he sees some of the singers, some like yeah. singers snapping, and he just walks over there and stands <laughs> next to him, like, yeah, I'm part of this. I'm, this, I'm part of this crew. It's like I love this. This is great. <laughs> and then the uh, the eclipse happens. Yeah. <laughs> Sudden eclipse so, happens. The, the unscheduled eclipse. <laughs> and the uh, the Audrey two. Pod is like beamed down in a green beam of light that apparently no one noticed. So I I noticed a, law, a through line, which I'm sure is probably more just a reference to the uh, the original mm-hmm. source material. But the color green oh, is yeah. freaking everywhere yeah, in yeah. this movie. It's mentioned a lot. Everything is like it's just green is everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So uh, Seymour goes over back to the the flower shop and purchases the. Audrey too from the the proprietor of the shop by giving him a dollar ninety five coin, <laughs> which is a hell of a currency exchange. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I'd buy an Audrey two for a buck ninety five. Oh no, it's a steal. It's just I don't know how they, how you end up with a, a single coin that's worth a dollar ninety five. And the don't 60s, get change back. The sixties were a different time. It was a weird time, man. Well, uh, we flash back to the present, uh, and more customers start coming in to look at the Audrey 2, and Mushnik starts selling flowers hand over fist. Mushnik wants to take Seymour and Audrey out to dinner to celebrate their newfound prosperity, uh, but Audrey has to meet with her abusive boyfriend. And also, uh, the Audrey 2 is not looking very hot. It's looking pretty pretty sick. Yeah, um, and we get, a, we get the great line of, the Audrey 2 is not a healthy girl. Strictly between us, neither is the Audrey 1. <laughs> gets... The Audrey 2 is not a healthy girl. Strictly between us, neither is the Audrey 1. That's a good line. It's a good line. That's it's a good a, line read. It's like, really good. Yeah. Loved that. So Seymour stays in the night while Mushnik goes off to have dinner. Yeah, he, uh, he drives off into the backdrop. Yeah. <laughs> Just right through it. <laughs> uh, to try and nurse the Audrey 2 back to health, leading us to our fourth song, Grow For Me. Which is about Seymour trying to get the plant to become healthy and grow bigger. And so Seymour's like spritzing her down and like telling her about the, the high-end soil that he's <laughs> bought her. And well, he's tried everything from from desert, d- desert to yeah, <laughs> desert to mud. Like he's, yeah. he's trying everything to make this plant grow, and nothing has worked. Nope. Um, he grabs a rose by mistake and like pricks his finger on the thorn and starts bleeding. And while he's bleeding, the the plant starts making kissy kissy faces at it. And I had the note that when a plant starts making kissy noises at you, there's exactly one of two ways you should react. And Seymour does exactly one of them. Yeah. <laughs> he makes kissy noises back. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that's kind of funny is that the, the prop department for this um, based Audrey 2's mouth and lips off of Ellen Green's. 
so they look similar to Ellen Green's mouth. Okay. So it, the Audrey too looks like Audrey. That's interesting. And that's another reason that Seymour is kind of attracted to it in a way, and to, to make it. Because <laughs> it looks like the, the girl I mean, that he's attracted yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Audrey too does have some lush full lips. Yes. yes that are, like, insanely articulate. The Holy yeah. beans. Uh, when the plant starts getting bigger, it became, like, too unwieldy to move, like, fluidly. So they had to film it at a slower shutter speed. And the actors had to recite their lines and sing it in, in slow, slow motion. motion. Yep. To to get it to, like, line up correctly. What, Seymour takes his bloody finger and decides that he is going... Like, since the plant obviously wants the blood, he's going to feed the blood to the plant to see what happens. Mm-hmm. And he, like, milks his finger... <laughs> yeah. And gets out a few drops. The plant eats the drops and is apparently satiated. Yeah. It likes that. He's a, he's a happy Audrey dude. Yep. So Seymour walks upstairs and while he's out of the room, Audrey too grows. And I have no idea how they accomplished this effect. Because <laughs> it, it actually grows like yeah. while you're watching. Yeah, it it's... busts out of its little tin can. The, and... the effects on Audrey 2 are nothing short of incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, this movie was nominated for two Academy Awards. One for visual effects and one for best song for Mean Green Mother from Outer Space. Yeah. It didn't win either of them. I don't know what it lost to for special, for visual effects, but it yeah. must have been a hell of a movie. No kidding. Or it was the Suicide Squad, you know, whatever. <laughs> Aliens. Okay, well, that tracks. <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, two of my favorite movies coming out that year, both with amazing practical effects. Like... Yeah. I don't know which one I would have given it to on that one. Yeah, that's... The that's Queen a... Alien is really something to behold. Yeah. Oh, man. That's... That's... Jesus. I mean, what it good, lost to something good. <laughs> 1986 was a good year. <laughs> I I agree. I came out that year. <laughs> Matt had a good winter release. <laughs> I did. Strong... Strong... Strong late winter. Yeah. Early you got tw- released in the, in the January season, which is like the dumping ground for Oscar bait, so I don't know about that, but... <laughs> We cut to a little bit in the future where Seymour is taking the plant to be on a radio show, which is not, I would think, the best venue for <laughs> a plant. No, but, but I mean, the, the whole the whole shtick behind that radio show is looking at really wild things, and yeah. I guess uh, it, it's where uh, John Candy basically describes all of the cool things that yeah. are in his and studio. I, like, I can't imagine actually listening to that radio show, because it would be so annoying. Uh-huh. Like, when... Seymour comes in and he does that whole like, oh no, I'm cheating on this man's wife thing. And the guy's like, I'm going to shoot you with a machine gun. And it's John Candy doing all the voices without any different inflection. Uh And then like making machine gun sounds into the mic. Yeah. It's just like, I can't. Hi, everybody. It's weird. Wink Wilkinson laughing and scratching at you. How's everybody doing today? I got a little bit of a stiff neck. Let me just fix this up. Ooh, that feels a lot better. Well, I got a great show for you today with some wonderful weird stuff. What are you doing here? What? You Please, lady, don't. Put your clothes back on. It's Wink. Well, you can't do this to me. What if your husband were to walk in? I'm right here, Wink. I'm sorry. I love your show, but I've got to kill you both with this machine gun. Oh, you got me. Oh, 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 oh. I feel, I feel so very weird. <laughs> okay, our first guest today is a young man you probably read about in the newspapers. I, I don't like morning zoo style programs anyway. <laughs> this would be unbearable. <laughs> and listen- then some guy describes a plant to you. <laughs> I don't know. I'd listen to it just because of John Candy. Well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> he's, he's not John Candy. He's Wink Winkleson or whatever it is. 
uh, we also see that uh, Seymour's fingers are like completely sliced up at this point. <laughs> he's got bandages on all of them because he's been feeding Audrey to his blood. Uh-huh. Cut back to Mushnik's shop where he is pushing the Audrey to as the, the greatest thing ever. He, uh, he has the radio program on and he's pissed that Seymour didn't get out the full address before getting cut off. <laughs> Um, and Audrey 1 is late to work because she was handcuffed by her boyfriend and he hurt her arm really bad and it's in like a makeshift sling. Yeah. She called it like she calls it a cast, but it, it, during the song, but yeah. it's just like a little sling. It's like whatever, it's like a fishnet sling. Like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't I'm not going to lie. I didn't even I didn't even like catch that until she mentions it in the song but <laughs> I yeah, you see that she's got something on her arm, but it looks like it could be part of her dress or yeah. something like that. And no, it's, it's supposed to be, like, her boyfriend hurt her arm. She doesn't have enough money to actually go to a doctor. Yeah. So she made herself a sling. Which yeah. is, inc- like... <laughs> no, it's dark. It's, it's very hard. dark. <laughs> and, and if it weren't for the fact, like, if it weren't for the person who plays her boyfriend... Yeah. Uh, this would be a lot harder oh my to gosh, stomach through. Yeah, yeah. But it, I think it redeems quite a bit of itself very, very shortly. Like... The, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's don't get me wrong. It's still a despicable concept, oh, yeah. and but at the same time, it's like it's supposed to. It's weird because yeah, it's very dark. Like until you meet her boyfriend, it's very dark, it and is. it immediately turns farcical. But it like uh-huh. it doesn't erase what already happened. It's it's mood whiplash, but it works for the tone of this movie. It does. Audrey gets her next song, uh, "Somewhere That's Green." which is about her and Seymour moving away from Skid Row into a tiny house in the suburbs. The, it's the 1950s, like, American dream. Right, right. And, and, it's, and, and, like, it was hard for me to understand, like, to get in the mindset. Because, you know, when you're watching a movie from the 80s, yeah. you have to put yourself in the mindset of the 80s in order for those jokes to fly. Right. And then, of course, this movie is also taking place in the sixties. In the sixties, yeah. So at, there were times where it was just like, okay, what is meant as a, what is intended as a joke? What is intended as supposed to be the the character's right. reality, and what is intended as both? Yeah. And after like I don't know, maybe a minute into the song, I realized that okay, yeah, it's all meant intended to be both. It's supposed yes, to be yes. a joke and in a reality. Like, but I also think the jokes get funnier with time. Exactly, like the yeah. more we, the more time progresses from the time period they take place in, yeah. the more hilariously bad and hilarious this gets. Yeah, yeah. Because like the whole song is about they want to move away from the city and into a tiny suburb like house, and have a chain link fence and a yard. Yeah, and, and, and stuff a dog like that. and kids. Yeah, and she's yeah. gonna be you know she's in gonna the kitchen. cook and she's wearing like a 1950s house dress. Uh huh. Yeah, it's very funny. It is. Um, one of the things that is really funny about this song is, and it's something that, like, there's a lot of outtakes on the DVD, which I do not have and I really need to get, I guess. When the Audrey and Seymour open up the kids' room to look at the kids, they had to do that take, like, six or seven times. Because every time they would open the door, the kids would be doing something different. And it would crack the two of them up. <laughs> <laughs> And I guess that was kind of a running like thing through the whole movie is like they would just crack the the cast would crack themselves up all the time. Sure, like they got along so well through this and were just making each other laugh constantly. They had to do a million takes of everything because they just start laughing in the middle of it because somebody was making a goofy face, like when their back was turned or something. <laughs> That's good. It's yeah. 
they they really got along well, which is always nice to see. Yeah, it, I mean, and it comes across on screen, yeah, too, yeah, because, yeah. I mean, you can tell these actors are having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Especially... <laughs> yeah, especially uh, the person who is next introduced, we immediately get to another song. Oh, yeah, okay. Some Fun Now, which is about um, Seymour's rise to local fame. Okay. And about how he's like... Not really doing too good because he's making himself anemic feeding the Audrey, too. <laughs> like, they're making money, and there's ads everywhere for this this goofy plant, and Mushnik's getting... doing really good. Yeah. But Seymour's standing in a corner about to pass out. Yep. And, it, and the plant's getting bigger and, and the bigger. And the plant's getting bigger, yeah. It's like a big, like, man-sized pot at this point. Mm-hmm. Audrey pushes Seymour to want more than just, like, this local nothing and to, like, seek Mushnik's approval and stuff like that. Uh, Seymour takes a, a leap and, like, asks her to go to shopping with him and go on a date with him, and, and she declines because she has to go out with her boyfriend. boyfriend. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and this is where we get our next... The next song, which is my favorite song in the movie. Oh, Jesus fucking Dentist. Christ. Steve Martin. Oh, my God. The, the, the transition... Like, okay, so I knew... This is what I was talking about where, like, I'd, uh-huh. I'd heard the song, I'd seen this entire number before, I knew on a fundamental level, level of who Steve Martin's character was. Right. I was not prepared <laughs> for, for a fucking cartoon to happen. <laughs> like, it shows him as, he looks like a greaser yeah. on a motorcycle. He talks like Elvis. And he talks like Elvis. And it was just, the, it's just it hit me like a sledgehammer. Yeah. <laughs> It's and, a jump. Like and I completely forgot everything that I had previously known about his role <laughs> in, in this movie. And then when he jumps in to, and takes off the, the leather jacket and, and he's wearing the... It was like whiplash. I was like, oh yeah! Okay, holy shit! I know that, man! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> it, <laughs> it was quite the ride. And then we get the entire like scene. <laughs> like As soon as he enters the office and just decks the nurse in the face. <laughs> Yeah, no, this... Whoa. <laughs> I guess they had to do quite a few takes of this, because Steve Martin kept like having little notes about what to do for his character and stuff like that. Like, when he, he does enter the office and, like, decks the nurse, he's like... First, he just, like, pushed her out of the way. Sure. And then and he's like, no, I want to do that again, because, like, what if I just socked her right in the jaw? <laughs> and then, like, oh, fucking do it, my man. You're Steve Martin. You know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> but he kept like he kept like doing more and more stuff like that where he'd sure. have little notes about it and they okay now we gotta reshoot the scene again and again and again and, <laughs> but it works so good because like I said it's a fucking cartoon it is it's intense like you get the you get the shot from inside the guy's mouth yeah, which, which is one hell of a shot it's a it's an amazing effect especially when you think that mouth would have to be like huge for them to shoot through yeah <laughs> like that was one hell of an effect and then there's another one where the guy is trying to hide on the on ceiling. the ceiling. <laughs> And it's just like, and he's oh. just like, get <laughs> Jesus, this, like, I'd seen this, this song referenced in various like lists, like right. cracked articles. And I've seen it on YouTube videos. It's a great villain song. And like, it holds up. Like, yeah, holy it's so shit. funny. It's so fucking funny. Cause, and then, and then it like cuts to the, to the next scene <laughs> and it just, he just drops, the motherfucker drops in on a motorcycle, just. Into the alleyway, like, from, I don't know where from, but... From his office. Where? It's like, what the fuck? He's completely blitzed out of his mind on, on nitrous. Yeah. 
Um, and that, like, that's a through thing is he uses laughing gas. He doesn't give it to his patients. He, he gives it to himself. He just uses it himself to get high. Yeah. 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 And, and, like, the whole idea is that he's a dentist because he's a sadist. Because he's a sadist, yeah. So. And one thing that is definitely worth mentioning and is very funny is in the middle of the song, or, like, towards the end of the song, he opens up that closet in his office and he's got a shrine to his mother in there. Yeah. The actress whose picture they took for the photo of his mother uh-huh. is the actress who would later go on to play the Trunchbull in Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's very good. That's very good. That's really good. Okay. But yeah, uh, Oren like, drives his motorcycle off a cliff into Seymour. <laughs> and... Uh, we, Seymour is completely disgusted by Oren's behavior towards Audrey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oren offers him a free root canal. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> and then the two of them drive off on their date. Seymour goes back to Mushnik's shop and is like laying out his woes to Audrey too about like how uh, Audrey deserves someone who isn't terrible to her, how she's like the sweetest person he knows, and so on and so forth. And then we get the turn because the plant. Uh, collapses. Just bump. Yep. Uh, Seymour thinks that it wants more blood and like he's still fairly anemic and he's like maybe I can get some more out of this finger. Mm-hmm. But the plant talks. Yep. <laughs> and and Levi Stubbs tells us uh, that he wants more than blood. He wants meat at this point. And he wants fresh meat. And then we get another song. Yeah we do. <laughs> Feed me. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, like, Levi Stubbs is an old Motown performer, which is why he can get, like, that voice out uh-huh. of these songs, and it is just fantastic. Like, it's really good. It's such an iconic voice. Uh, Levi Stubbs passed in 2008. He is no longer with us, which is very unfortunate. Yeah. Um, he did a lot of stuff before and after this. He would voice... Audrey too alikes in various things. <laughs> he apparently just adored the role. Well, he has a lot of fun with it. You can tell. Yeah. I mean, again, like everybody has a lot of fun. Oh with gosh, this, yeah. This like this cast had a blasty blast doing this movie. You can just tell. Audrey too offers Seymour like everything, like all of his heart's desires, and all he has to do is do a little bit of murder. Just a little murder. Just a little murder. It's not much. A little murder between friends. Yeah. Uh, but Seymour is kind of conflicted well, because I, he doesn't want to do a murder. <laughs> <laughs> and on, well, Audrey Two's argument is that he's like, "Don't you think there's a lot of people in this world that need to die?" Yeah. <laughs> and like, I hate to be this guy, but I'm kind of with Audrey Two at this point. <laughs> uh, Audrey Two suggests that you know, hey, why don't you kill Orin? He's a bastard. Yeah. He's a real piece of shit. Well, yeah, he's, he uses Orin as the example of somebody right. who needs to die. And again, I'm like. I'm with Audrey, too, on this one. Yeah, and Seymour's like, okay, well, yes, I see your point, evil plant. Uh, we cut back to Oren's office where we encounter a wild Bill Murray. Jesus fucking Christ, Bill Murray. Uh, Bill Murray is a masochist who is very excited to get worked on by a dentist. Apparently, this is, like, his third dentist visit of the week. <laughs> and, and, like, taken in as a whole... This entire little segment has no purpose Nothing. other than to be just freaking weird. Yeah, um, all of Bill Murray's lines were improvised. Like, all of them. Okay. And 
it made stitching this scene together into a coherent whole a nightmare for the production crew. <laughs> I, I almost feel like, especially with that information, that this entire scene was not scripted. It was just Bill Murray just showed up on Pretty set much. one day and was like, hey, I want to be in this movie. Well, they, and they're like, well, okay then. And it just, ah, oh, candy bar! It's <laughs> like, like <laughs> <laughs> they reached out to Bill Murray to do this this character because in the original movie it's done by Jack Nicholas. Okay. Or Nicholson, excuse me. Okay. okay. Not the golfer. <laughs> Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson. Yeah. Okay. And it was his first uh, credited role. Okay. So it's kind of a big character. Okay. Um, in a way, like it, it's weird. Yeah. It, it, it's in the original movie. It's still just like a one scene joke. Yeah. But it was Jack Nicholson and. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's become the role itself has become more important, than, right, right, than the the character, and it, it has a call forward as well because the tools that uh, the dentist is working on Bill Murray with, those exact props show up later in Tim Burton's Batman, for the scene when uh, the Joker is being Jokerfied, okay, and they're like work his henchmen are working on him. <laughs> Those are those same tools. That's cool because it's Jack Nicholson again. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, it's there's it, a, there, it's all connected. It, <laughs> Still, like it, this scene it is just, just insane. It like, is. It has no bearing on anything other than to get Steve Martin like pissed off, <laughs> like his character mad. Yeah, and because he doesn't like working on a masochist because he likes to hear the people screaming and he, he likes to cause the pain he doesn't like people to enjoy the pain yeah and and Bill Murray is having an orgasm in the middle of the uh, operating Jesus theater Jesus Christ this scene <laughs> and Steve Martin is so mad at him for this <laughs> what a pervert <laughs> yeah <laughs> Seymour is there to kill Oren. He's got a little revolver, and he's going to shoot Oren. And he, like, brings out, like, some horrible, like, torture instrument and uh -huh. threatening uh, Seymour with it, like, Does this scare you? <laughs> <laughs> so he, he pulls Seymour back into the, uh, the dentist's office and is going to work on him. And Seymour is trying his best to melt into the, uh, the operating seat. Uh-huh. And uh, Oren is like, Oh, yeah, we need gas. And Seymour's like, oh, thank God. I thought he was, wasn't going to use any. Yeah. And then Steve Martin comes out wearing, like, the Bane mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got his own, his, his own contraption. His on. own custom, like, gas distribution system. <laughs> um, Seymour pulls the gun on him and is going to shoot him. And uh, Orin is too blitzed out on laughing gas to, like, even begin to comprehend him as a threat. Yeah. I was like, okay, hold on. I need to turn this off and then we can rumpus. Yeah. <laughs> so he reaches back to turn the, the valve off but busts it off so he asphyxi asphyxiates on laughing gas. Yep. And dies. So yep. Seymour didn't have to kill him. No. He just... Se Seymour did not have to commit a murder. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> not on this day. No. But he does have Seymour to... Seymour doesn't commit a murder he in doesn't. this entire movie. He does some other bad things. He... <laughs> He assists. Like, he, he is an accessory. Yeah, he's an accessory, man. Because he takes uh, Oren back to Audrey. Audrey can't inhale an entire man yet, so he has to cut him up. Uh -huh. So he takes him out in the alley and pulls out an, an, a fireman's axe yeah. <laughs> and starts going to town on it. Uh, which, at this point, Mushnik arrives just in time to see uh, Seymour dismembering the body. Yep, hacking him up. So Mushnik is kind of in on the secret in a way, but yeah. not the secret he thinks he's in on. Yeah. Uh, Seymour feeds the chopped up Orin 
to Audrey too, but is increasingly nervous that the police are going to find him. Yeah. Uh, they come and question Audrey about Oren's disappearance, and Audrey confides in, confides in Seymour that, yes, she's distraught over Oren's disappearance, but not because he's gone, but rather she feels relief over the fact that he's gone. Mm-hmm. She feels guilty because she's so relieved. Right. Right. And this leads us into uh, our next song, which is Ellen Green's showpiece, Suddenly Seymour. Jesus. So I I had a question um, about this because I couldn't figure out on my own. Uh, I mean, obviously she's singing her roles, but like with Rick Moranis, is that him actually singing? Like, holy crap, these people have some pipes on them. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Apparently Rick Moranis, um, while he's not really known as a singer, did do several singing roles. This is his last one. Um, but he's really good in it. Like, yeah. No, they, they all have some crazy good pipes on them. Uh-huh. Of the, of the cast, there's the three Greek chorus members, Audrey Two, Seymour, uh, Oren, and Audrey that all sing. Yeah. Mushnik, I don't think, ever gets a singing line. No. So I don't know if if Mr. Gardenia had uh, a singing voice on him. Maybe. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> he might have. He might have, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the song is about how Audrey always felt like she deserved being with bad people who mistreated her and Seymour trying to convince her that no you you don't deserve this nobody deserves this mm-hmm. um, and they get their relationship upgrade at the end of the song they kiss and are now a couple yay they're cute together yeah uh, Mushnik confronts a floating on cloud nine Seymour about killing Oren because he thinks that Seymour killed Oren because he was Jealous of her, or of him, and wanted to protect uh, Audrey mm-hmm. and get with her, and so on and so forth. Um, which leads us to our next song, "Supper Time." Yeah, which is God. a darker it's song. So good, it's very good. <laughs> yeah, you have Audrey too singing in another room about how you know Seymour's like gonna go up the creek and stuff like that, unless he feeds Smushnik to Audrey too. Uh huh. Which he does. <laughs> well. Kind of, he, again, Seymour doesn't. It's more of just an accidental thing kind that happens. Of, I, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. But um, I do not blame Seymour. I do. <laughs> <laughs> he was an accessory to this one for sure. Because <laughs> uh, uh, Mushnik like pulls the the gun on him and forces him upstairs. He says he's going to turn him into the police unless uh, Seymour tells how to like make the plant. Tells him how to make the plant grow. And then skips town for 30 or 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, Seymour, like, fakes, like, oh, well, it's e- real easy. What you gotta do is this. And he... Mushnik turns around into the gaping maw of Audrey 2, who swallows him. Yeah. And that's the end of Mushnik. Yep. We are unmushnik No more Mushnik. Yep. Uh, we didn't get our next song, The Meek Shall Inherit, about Seymour's meteoric rise to uh, fame and fortune mm-hmm. after this. There's a and I like there's a one brief little scene. It may have been a little bit earlier where mm-hmm. where it just shows Seymour sitting next to his bed and he's rapidly bouncing both of his legs yeah. and looking stressed as hell. And I saw that and it's like that's a big mood. Yeah, <laughs> that that's when uh, the cops are questioning Audrey about Oren's disappearance. That's what I thought. And he's like but... looking. He's like sitting next to his bed and like vibrating. <laughs> and then he looks out of his like basement window. And sees them okay. questioning Audrey. Yeah, about it. but it was just I I <laughs> I felt you I felt you see more. No, I do the same thing like when I'm uh-huh. stressed. 
at this point, Audrey 2 has completely taken over, like, the entire shop. Like, it, the plant is just massive he's, at this point. He's a big, he's a big plant. Yeah. Uh, there are people who are in the shop who are going to produce a TV show, like, a local network TV show about the plant and, like, Seymour's gardening tips and stuff like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, they want to make a show. Yeah. Like, he, he's getting all of these deals and shows and radio shows and uh-huh. all of this stuff where yeah that's making him famous and yeah and yeah it's because the, the, everybody thinks that he's just a really good gardener <laughs> yeah yeah not that the plant is like eating people because when no one else is around it's still motionless it still just looks like a normal right normal for a given value plant yeah just large yeah it's just a big big plant. big plant uh and seymour starts to collapse under the pressure of everyone wanting things from him the guilt over what happened with Orin and Mushnik and stuff like that. Um, Audrey talks him down from the ledge, so to speak, and he immediately proposes to her. And she accepts, saying that they are going to go to City Hall that night, get married, and then they're going to elope and yep, and go somewhere that's great. Yeah, yeah. Because he's, he's getting the check for the TV right. show. Before anything else. Yeah, he's getting so, an advance, I guess. He, well, he's getting it. I imagine he had to sign a contract. Right. That's like, no, we're going to just split and yep, just be yep. gone. So, uh, Seymour closes up Mushnik's shop and is preparing to leave. Um, and he's trying to sneak past the Audrey 2, which, like, collapsed during the filming of the show. Which is why they had, one of the reasons they had to stop the show. Because it, the front end of the plant just went boom. Yeah. The floor. So he tries to sneak past it, and it, like, wakes up, or it was never actually asleep or whatever. Whatever. And demands more food. Uh-huh. Uh, Seymour doesn't give in to the plant's demands this time. It's like, no, I'll go get you some, some meat, and you can eat that. Yeah. Uh, Audrey, too, doesn't want that because he wants... Fresh the, meat. He wants fresh meat. He wants the blood. He wants... Uh, so while Seymour is out of the house, Audrey 2 really shows what it has learned and what it is capable of <laughs> as it steals a coin from the till yeah. and uses a payphone to call Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And not going to lie, uh, because again, going through this movie uh, relatively blind, uh-huh. I was expecting it to talk in Seymour's voice. Yeah, yeah. And I was terrified that that was what was going to happen. I'm very glad it No, <laughs> it's really funny because... Uh, Audrey 2 just like is like hey pretty girl how you doing <laughs> and she looks out the window and sees <laughs> Audrey 2 is like looking through the window of the shop and waving at her yeah <laughs> so of course she has to go figure out what the hell is going on with that yeah <laughs> yeah and we get a reprise of supper time yep because uh oh yeah <laughs> uh, Audrey investigates the shop and Mr. Plant tries to eat her uh, She's just all up in it. <laughs> oh, she, yeah, yeah. Her legs are kicking out of it, and Seymour <laughs> arrives just in time to pull her out. Uh, but she is slightly injured in the process because, mm-hmm. you know, he's pokey. I, I don't know. Like, they go into the alleyway, and she's pretty unfazed about being inside this giant plant. This is where the cut from the original ending to the ending in this in this version changes. Oh, because this is where it happens. Right okay. here. And you can tell the exact cut where it happens. Okay. Uh, when Audrey, like, collapses after, in the alleyway, and Seymour asks her if she's okay, and she says yes, and then, boom, hits the ground, she dies. Oh. Right then. Uh, in the original ending. In the original ending. Okay. Yeah. And you can see kind of a, uh, a cut right there, where, after she stands up, because, like, everyone dies in the original ending. <laughs> yeah. Like, everyone dies. 
And after they screened it to people, everyone hated that. It's like, oh, what's going on? We like these characters. Yeah, and now they're dead. It's too dark for. And it, it was accurate to the uh, the stage production, right? Because that's what happens in the stage production. Um, Frank Oz said he really understood where they were coming from because in a stage production, everyone dies, the, the uh, program ends, and then they come out and take a bow. Right. So you still get like closure with them, and you can see that everyone's okay and stuff like that. Like, yeah, yeah. When they die in a movie like this, they're gone. The characters are just gone. They're yeah. just gone. And you spent this entire time with the characters growing to love them and, like, rooting for them and wanting them to succeed. And then they die in such an ignoble fashion and they're just gone. Yeah. And he's like, okay, no, that makes a lot of sense. I can see why you wouldn't like that. We'll do something different. That's cool. That's cool. So the, that's where the ending really changes. Sure. Like, this is the vergence in time right here. <laughs> is whether Audrey dies or not. See, I wasn't, I wasn't 100% sure where that... Because I knew right about there. the alternate ending. I'd heard about it again in lists and yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. But I, I had no idea where that took place. Yeah. In the ori- it's a little surprising that it's this early on. Yeah, yeah. In the original ending, I'm just going to go off for the original ending from here. Sure. For a bit so we can get that out of the way. Um, after Audrey dies, Seymour goes back into the... Uh, into the shop. In the shop and gets eaten by Audrey too. Okay. After this, like, there's that scene where they're offering to sell Audrey 2s in shops. That happens. And there's Audrey 2s being sold all throughout the, the country. Everyone wants an Audrey 2. And then the implication is that each little Audrey 2 pod is offering their owners like fame and fortune and whatever they want in exchange for blood. So the same thing keeps happening with everyone. And then there's kaiju-sized Audrey 2s smashing through the set of a city. Right. And uh, the, there's a song that plays during this, um, Don't Feed the Plants, which is a very good song. It's on the official soundtrack but isn't in the movie right and it's about how it don't feed these plants because they're going to kill everybody <laughs> and it actually says in the in the song like it lists all the cities that the plants have taken this far and it ends with like and now they're taking your city <laughs> and in the uh the original ending at this point an audrey 2 bursts through the screen at the audience <laughs> oh that's cool <laughs> If you don't want to pay out for the director's cut, you can watch the ending on YouTube. It's there to watch. Okay. Um, but I do suggest watching the actual director's cut because it's very well put together. Okay. But yeah, it, it, it's just really funny. That's cool. Like, and they, it lingers a little too long on the Kaiju Audrey 2s, and it reuses the same footage a couple times. Nah. Uh, but it's still kind of a, a really cool effect because there's at least two different building size Audrey 2s smashing through New York. <laughs> <laughs> And it ends with them, like, taking over the Statue of Liberty. Uh, But now we go back to the actual ending of this version of the movie, where we get a reprise of Suddenly Seymour, because Seymour has saved her. Yeah, and in my notes, I was just like, Seymour, is this really the time to be singing? And then he gets interrupted immediately. By Jim Belushi. (laughs) Jim Belushi, he's just like, hey, stop singing. And I was just like, I guess it wasn't the time to be singing. (laughs) this is no time for that. We have money. Uh, Jim Belushi offers Seymour a ton of money for the rights to sell Audrey 2s. And um, Seymour is understandably freaked out by this prospect because he just witnessed an alternate timeline where that happened. (laughs) Yeah, he had the premonition. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So he refuses and chases him off. Uh, We go to Audrey 2's amazing villain song, uh, Mean Green Mother from Outer Space. Yes. Which is... This is the song that they were nominated for an Academy Award for. Mm-hmm. 
It was the first Academy Awards uh, Best song, Original Song nominee where they swore. Yeah. <laughs> so that had to, be, had to be edited out during the uh, live production, <laughs> which is really funny. Yeah. Uh, Audrey 2 bursts out of its pot and shows that it can preamble around. <laughs> it is a mobile plant at this point. Uh, Seymour tries to shoot uh, Audrey 2 and its little singing bud friends. <laughs> <laughs> the little the little tongue pods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those are so great. I love those. Yeah. And, I, and, and but the plant steals a ding dang gun, Matt. <laughs> yeah, he does. Chris, give the plant a gun. <laughs> well, I have a surprise for you, Matt. You may have made a uh, creature crunch promise where uh, every monster that catches on fire is going to get an on fire update. I'm giving them guns. <laughs> good. <laughs> this is good. I yeah. Uh, the plant. Starts wrecking everything in the shop. Like, the you can hear the props department crying in the background <laughs> as it starts bringing down the walls and, like, buries Seymour in it. Uh, he barely survives and grabs a loose wire and shocks Audrey 2 with it, which apparently kills the plant. Not even just kills it. Like, <laughs> explodes it. Explodes it in, like, a cheap, like, Star Wars effect. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's really strange, like... You can tell this is the added-on hero ending. Yeah, it was. It's like the rest of the movie. Wow, the the effects on this plant are so good, and then explodes. It's like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, what? We, we have to kill this plant somehow, and we've already proved it's indestructible. <laughs> what the fuck do we do? <laughs> we uh, cut to Audrey and Seymour getting married and moving out to their tiny fake house in the suburbs. It's the one from the uh, Somewhere That's Green song. Exactly. Which means that it looks like a cutout from Home and Gardens magazine. Yep. Which looks very fake. <laughs> which is very funny. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, the Greek chorus goes by one last time, singing the the prologue Little Shop of Horror song. Mm -hmm. And we cut down to see a surviving Audrey 2 pod, which gives us a big shit-eating shit grin. Yeah, it does. Whew. And that is Little Shop of Horrors. Goddamn. <laughs> Watch this movie. It's amazing. Yeah. This is going to be a long episode, I think. It actually isn't. Really? No, I've been keeping an eye on it. Okay. We're doing uh, pretty I good. I, I thought I went long. No. No, you didn't. Um, good for me. But, uh, no, this this movie is a, a straight-up masterpiece. Like, it, yeah. I have to say that. It's It was a fun rewatch. Like, I'm I'm mm -hmm. glad I got to rewatch it again. But, um, all right. Well, let's let's just go ahead and jump on over to the crunch here. Alright, so I guess we're back now. Is it, are we back now? Yeah, we're back now. Okay, why, we're back why, now. Yeah, sure, why not? Okay. Um, so I did the Crunchy Crunch in this. We I named our new giant plant friend the uh, Chloro Bastard. <laughs> I, I was really yeah. struggling to come up with a name for this guy. Uh, first, I had him as like the Green Mother Pod and stuff like that. Like I was trying to figure out something. I was like, okay, what are plant words? So I just <laughs> type plant into Google and like was looking through the Wikipedia article for plants. Yeah, and like it, 
I saw the word chlorophyll and I was like, oh, okay, we'll have a chlorobastard. That's, no, that works. <laughs> that, that absolutely works. Uh, the chlorobastard is a huge plant slash aberration. It's both. Yeah. I was wondering about that too. I was, cause you know, it is from space. Yeah. And that's where aberrations <laughs> come from. Yep. Is other planes or from outer space yeah, and fun stuff um, like that. Uh, he is usually chaotic evil. Uh, we have an AC of 16 with natural armor. Uh, hit points of 138 or 12d12 plus 60. Mm-hmm. Big boy. Yeah, he is. Uh, speed of zero feet. He's rooted. Uh, we look at our stats here. Uh, we have a plus five to strength, minus one to dex. He's not moving a whole lot. <laughs> I, yeah. Plus five to constitution. Pretty hardy. Yeah. Uh, plus one to intelligence. Plus three to wisdom. He can connive you. Yeah, he can. Uh, and charisma of plus three. Which, he, honestly, a little lower than I was It seems a little low, but I'm happy with where it is. Okay. We have damage vulnerabilities for lightning. Makes sense. He exploded. Yeah. <laughs> and resistances of bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing. And just period. Yeah. No, yeah. N- no. magical even don't care. Yep. Okay. Good. I. That's good. Yep. That's good. I think that is... Because especially now that um, at this point in time, I've been able to utilize some of our creature yeah, crunch have. monsters in a few of our campaigns. Um, usually just kind of reskin other monsters. Right. Uh, but in one instance, I was able to do it in a different one. But the problem with that is that in both the campaigns that I've done, the monsters, or excuse me, the players are a lot higher of levels. Right. So I've had to give them a shot in the arm. And... Most monsters that have resistances to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing, like it doesn't matter at that point because they've got magical weapons. They got and magical stuff. weapons yeah. and stuff. So, um, so I do appreciate a damage resistance to just those things. Period. Uh, for skills, we have a persuasion at plus seven, pretty high. Yeah, and passive perception of thirteen. Sure. Uh, for languages, he speaks common and Sylvan. Uh, he, I, I uh, note though, I would give him blind sight. Blindsight? Yeah, because this guy don't have eyes. He doesn't, but he, does he doesn't see. seem to have any problems seeing. So Right, right. Um, so, but I don't know. I'm, I'm fine with leaving it out okay. myself. Whatever. I don't, yeah. Uh, he has a challenge rating 9. So he's up there. With a proficiency bonus of plus 4. Yep, yep. And now we get into the fun shit. Yes. Now this is the stuff that I did yeah. not get to... Read through all, all right. First, we have an ability we've used a few times on creatures, uh, Blood Frenzy. That makes sense, though. Uh, Chlorobastard has advantage on melee attacks against creatures that don't have all their hit points. That that makes perfect sense. It's uh, an interesting that it, it, it's an interesting thing because, like, I mean, in, in vanilla D anD D, it's mostly shar- sharks and uh-huh. sawajin that have this, and even in so far in Creature Crunch, it's been mostly of those things. So it's, yeah. it's 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 cool to have a plant that has this. This is a pissed off plant. Don't fuck with it. <laughs> um, next ability we have false appearance when the chlorobastard remains motionless it is ind- indistinguishable from a normal if large plant cool I dig it that's directly like these two abilities the next two are lifted directly from the tree ant by the way okay uh, and then we have siege monster the chlorobastard does double damage to objects and structures makes sense you see it fuck up that shop yeah he tears that shop right down then we have its normal actions, and these are this. Is, he does quite a bit. He's got some stuff here. Uh, Multi attack. The Chlorobastard makes two tentacle attacks. It can also use its bite and gun. <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, for tentacles, um, like I gotta be honest, its tentacle and bite attacks are lifted directly from the Frog Emoth. 
Okay. It does the exact same thing as the Frog Emoth. So you for Tentacle, you've got a melee weapon attack plus 9 to hit. Reach of 30 feet, I did increase its range a little bit on that. That makes sense. Uh, because it, for the most part, is rooted in one place. Yeah. Uh, on a hit, we do 19 average bludgeoning damage, and the target is grappled. Uh, if it's huge or smaller, until the grapple ends, the Chloro Bastard can't use his tentacle on another target. He's got four tentacles. Okay. Okay, and then for his bite, um, <clears throat> nine to hit, reach of five feet, one target, hit 22 on average piercing, and the target is swallowed if it's medium or smaller. And this is the average, like, it, you know, swallow thing. Blind if they're in there, restrained, total cover against attacks... Uh, and takes 1d10 acid damage at the start of each of its turns. He can hold up to two critters inside of his stomach at a time. Um, if he takes 20 or more damage from a creature inside of him, Claro Bastard has to succeed on a con check or barf him up. Sure. So that's that. Alrighty. Uh, and then he's got his gun. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. Which is a ranged weapon attack, plus 3 to hit. Range is 40 slash 120 feet. One target on a hit, eight to uh, average 2d8 piercing damage. <laughs> that is literally just the revolver. From, yeah. 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 And then he's got one very unique ability. Okay. A special action. Uh, uproot. Once per battle, the Chloro Bastard can uproot itself or remove itself from its container. When it does, it regains average of 69, 60, 12, plus 30 HP. Nice. nice. And its speed is increased to 30 feet. If it doesn't... Whoa, he scoots. <laughs> he scoots. Uh, if it doesn't reroot itself in soil within 24 hours, the Chlorobastard dies. Okay. That's interesting. I like uh-huh. that. That's cool. Because we do see Audrey 2, like, uproot itself and burst out of its pot a couple times in this movie. Yeah. Um, but it always seems to be replanted after the fact. Um, I kind of took a little liberties with that because we don't actually see it die, but I figured that'd be kind of a good thematic drawback to this ability. That makes sense. That makes and sense. I mean it's to within me. twenty four hours, so Yeah. Um, so your your Chloro Bastard can either regain some uh, some HP and start walking around and swatting people or run away. Yeah, no, I like it. Um I, I definitely appreciate that because it gives the little like a phase two of the fight. And Yeah, that's kinda what it, I was going for. And I think that that is something that is sorely lacking in a lot of monster stat blocks is for like, D&D. Especially when you intend them to be like boss encounters or right, like because, culmination events. Right. I mean, I, I still imagine he'll probably get taken down really quick. Probably. On, but I mean, PCs are complete fuckheads. So. Yeah. In my um, uh, kind of a tangent here, in one of my most recent uh, campaigns, I did a custom... I, I You know, I do a lot of... Uh, pre-made campaigns uh-huh. and i did a full custom battle in it it's not not scripted in the book. right and so um basically the players are crossing the river sticks in avernus and i decided they were going to get attacked by a bunch of demons and they have an npc in there that i made uh who has a challenge rating of 10 uh-huh. and the players are all like level seven or eight so I went ahead and I was just like, you know what? No, this needs to be a tough fight. I know what my players do. They generally shred my encounters, no matter what. Uh So I made this encounter an extremely deadly encounter. Like, I was using the D&D encounter Uh builder, um, got it to deadly, added, like, three more monsters after that. Yeah. The, uh, in the fight, my NPC, my challenge rating 10 NPC... Fell unconscious in the first round and stayed unconscious throughout the rest of the combat. So it was even more nerfed against. Uh-huh. And my players still 
destroyed yeah. the encounter. Challenge ratings are... They are bullshit. Yeah, they... <laughs> Challenge ratings are bullshit. It's supposed to be like a guideline for making encounters, and it doesn't even work well for that. No. The, but, I mean, the, the tricky part is, and the hardest thing is, like, it is supposed to be a guideline, especially for play DMs who are new or even starting a newer campaign. Uh-huh. But when by the time you get into it, DMs, and this is something I struggle with, DMs really need to know their party's strengths and weaknesses uh-huh. and play to that to make challenging encounters. Uh-huh. Because throwing monsters with huge challenge ratings at the, at the player's is not going to do the trick. It's very true. Like I said, this was a... This, on paper, mathematically, should have been an incredibly deadly encounter. And I think one player maybe got half down in health because yeah. of a critical hit. That was it. And they, they destroyed the encounter. So, um... So, I definitely appreciate monsters that can... Basically come back for a second round. Yeah. Um, I think that definitely helps... But again, it's it's not a, a and and all. I I'm off on a tangent. Regardless, <laughs> um, I just thought that was an interesting story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I I think that I could probably freaking I could talk for hours about this. But um, no, like as time goes by, there's more and more with D and D that I'm less enamored with, and like building encounters is definitely one of those things. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with you on that. Um but that being said, I'm also learning constantly. Mm-hmm. I am I am learning still quite a bit. Every every week and with every little bit that I learn, I'm adapting and hopefully being yeah. a better DM. My my biggest problem is that there's no easy arithmetic for it. Like mm-hmm. and it seems like the kind of thing where there should be. Right. Uh, but there's just not. Nope. But uh but anyway, um so that's so, Chris. I no, yeah. I like your chlora bastard. Um, I would use, might use. Okay. Um, the only thing I'm surprised is you didn't give him any kind of ability to, like, of singing. Oh, uh, but there's always a kibbles. Th- there's always that, and that could always be in his persuasion, like yeah. skill check. I wasn't sure how to like get because I I toyed around with the idea where like okay he can make a player like a devil's bargain or something like that. And it's just like, I don't really want to mechanically do that. Like That's, that's... fair. That's fair. But, um... Alrighty. Well, um... So, that's the end of this. Um... Next week... Oh, God. I've got my pick. Oh! Yeah, so I have no idea what you're going to pick. It, well, uh, we got two more requests. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and cover the first of those two. Uh-huh. Um, and I am choosing uh, the movie Pitch Black. Oh, uh, with, um... Vin, Vin the Diesel. Vin Gasoline, okay. Yep. Um, so that's that's going to be my pick. Um, yeah, we're going to do... Which I'm excited for. I haven't seen that movie in... It's been a... Last time I saw that movie, I was in, like, freaking high school, so... I probably saw it even before then. Like, I, I remember exactly one scene from that movie, so... You gotta remember, me being in high school is, like, 25 years ago now. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, so that's what we're going to be doing next next week. Um. Thank you so much for listening. Not next week, Matt. Next time. It's two weeks. So that's what we're. <laughs> so that's what we're going to be doing next time. Um. Thank you again so much for listening. We always appreciate it. I hope you had fun. Um. Feel free to reach out to us at Creature Crunch on Twitter or email us at CreatureCrunchPodcasts at gmail.com, Especially if you have any requests mm-hmm. or 
feedback or anything else. Um, subscribe to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash creature crunch, where we've got uh, currently two tiers going. I did officially yep. get the first one cool. going. Uh, so you can you can jump on there. For $5 a month, you can uh, basically get all of our bonus stuff, which you is... access to all of our bonus episodes for each main feed episode, not including the holiday episodes, which are already kind of bonuses in and of themselves, because we love you. Uh, on those, we do all sorts of things in from either from, directly, or inspired by the movie that didn't make it into the main episode. Um... We've also got a second show going right now that may be going Mage Week. We're kind of kicking around what we're going to do with that right now. Uh, my Comics Crunch episode where we do things from comics that are weird and dumb and awesome. <laughs> um, and that's kind of my big thing that I do. It's a lot of fun. I, I recommend checking yeah. it out. And we've and... also got the $1 level if you just want to help us recoup renting these fucking movies from amazon <laughs> yeah basically. yeah it's just we're, we're the one dollar level's a tip jar um, yeah if we ever do any polls i imagine i'll include the yeah, the yeah. one dollars at that um if you, you know we might we might do shout outs and stuff as well yeah. uh we don't want it to be just a purely like a donation kind of thing but uh but as of right now that's all it is is just kind of a tip jar yeah um we, like it always helps having that dollar level like anything helps but like, I totally understand that not everyone can dedicate to $5 a month for our goofy-ass podcast. Yeah. I personally can't myself, yeah, so... Yeah. <laughs> um, it doesn't make any sense for you to do it, because... Well, I meant for in relation to, like, other podcasts. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, I, I, if I was in our, our listeners' shoes, I would not be able to... Okay. I, I cannot personally... I am not in a personal place where I can swing an extra $5 a month on something fun like this. Yeah. I, I, I was hate just my life like, right now. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to spend $5 a month to give myself four thirty-eight a month. <laughs> you go, government. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, but you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, uh, feel free to reach us, reach out to us. Uh, like I said, yeah, join our join our Patreon. We really yep. would appreciate it. Um, we love you all. And uh, if you want to reach out to us individually, Chris, where can uh, we find you? You can find me on Twitter at the Library C. That's C E E. And you can yell at me on Twitter. Uh, I am at Danny underscore Hamsteak. Uh, and don't forget, you can always find our stat blocks for all these weirdos. Uh, either in on our Twitter, in the notes for each episode, or on D&D Beyond, uh, searching for Matt's username, which is the underscore best underscore disguise. And you'll find everything except so far the cooktail turkey. Yeah, cooktail turkey is uh, not there. You'll have to make up your own or just use the living unseen servant, apparently. Um, That's still hilarious. Yeah, and links links are in the description. Yep. Of the episode, so. All right, uh, thank you so much. And... We'll see you next time for Riddick. Some Riddick stuff. Oh, my God.